Well, my name is Greg. I am the, one of the pastors here at South Bay Community Church. And I just want to say a little something about our Thanksgiving service that was canceled you know, before I get into the message. But I, I want to let you know how hard of a decision that was for us as pastors and staff because we know that so many of you were looking forward to meeting in person to worship and do communion together uh, this weekend. But because the numbers have gone up so significantly and because we know this is a very real threat, a brother in our church has a coworker who was in the hospital for three weeks, was in intensive care, struggling for his life. And so when we see that this threat is real, we have to be concerned about the health and the well-being of our people. And I want to say thank you so much for understanding, though many people I'm sure have different opinions and different views and different thoughts, you church have been generally very gracious to us, you've been kind and understanding, you've trusted our leadership, and so I thank you for that. Thank you for being willing to come behind and trust the leaders of this church. Speaking of your grace and generosity, it was Pastors Appreciation Month, and so on behalf of all the pastors, I want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for the ways that you have shown your love to us, whether it's by providing a lunch for us and the staff, writing a card or sending emails to show your appreciation. Some of you guys have given love offerings. You didn't have to, but I know you went over and beyond to bless us with just a love offering. And so we thank you so much for your ongoing kindness and grace that you show us. You truly are the best church we can serve. So thank you guys. We love you and we'll continue to serve you in the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, I do get to bring the Word of God to you today, and I want to share with you a conversation I had with my friend Doug over a lunch, and he was sharing with me how he found himself always angry and agitated and irritable as he goes through the day. He'd come home and even take it out on his, his wife and family sometimes, and he decided to do something about it. You know what he decided to do? He told me he decided to cut out of his daily routine watching the news in the morning. That was something that he always did. That was a ritual, watch the news or listen to the news in the morning. And he made this connection. He realized that it was filling him with all this bad negative news, this toxic stuff that was filling his heart and his mind, which was causing him to have a certain demeanor as he went through the day. So he decided, you know what, I'm cutting it out of my daily routine. But not only did he cut the news out from getting into his heart and his mind, he added something into his routine. Here's what he told me. He says, instead of taking in the news, the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is I think of three things that I have that I can be thankful for. Little things, my car, my breakfast, gas, And he'll write those three things down. And he says, oftentimes as he goes through the day, he'll come back to those three things he wrote down and he'll give thanks again. And that has had an impact on his thoughts, on his emotions, on his attitude throughout the day. And when I heard that, I loved hearing it. Because that's exactly what our series has been about. This series called, What's Good? 
Because we realize as we are being bombarded with bad news and bad things every single day, it does us very well to think upon the good things that God has given us and meditate upon those things and give praise to the God who has blessed us. And so I want to open up today's message by showing you a video. And it may seem like it's a Christmas video, but hold tight. It is more so a Thanksgiving video. Check it out. I'm alive! I'm alive! Hey, Christine! You're here too! I love you! I know! Dad, what's happening? Honey, the power works! It's coming, it goes on and off! Whatever we want! <laughs> We've got clean water! Oh, that's great! Look at that! Ooh! I bet I know what this does! Rain down the glorious water! Ah, shoes. Oh, what do we got here, guys? Food. Mm, I love food. What? A beef stew? Do you not have work? This is awesome. Look, listen here. Dee, the what? Jack, be careful. Ooh, I have a car. Did you guys see this? Yeah, you have a car. Oh, a car! <laughs> and don't forget your coffee. You're the best. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. That is the title of today's message, We Are Blessed. And I show you that Christmas video to get you into the spirit of thanksgiving. This is all about thanksgiving, and it's not about a holiday one day a year. I'm talking about a heart posture every single day of the year. And I pray that Whenever we receive bad news or bad things happen to us and they're thrown at us, I pray that we, church, would have like this knee-jerk reaction where we quickly go to remember the blessings that God has bestowed upon us, the blessings that surround us. But for today's message, I want to focus our attention not so much on the blessings, the earthly blessings that are around us, which are all around us, like our car and our home and our work and our food. Those are all around us. But today for this message, I want to fix your attention on the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Because I believe the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms far outweigh, far outlast, far outshine all the bad things on this earth and even all the good things on this earth. Because reality is the earthly blessings we have on this earth are temporal. But the spiritual blessings we have in the heavenly places are eternal. And those things are constant and will never change. And so that's what I want to talk about today. And I want to say one little thing before we open up in prayer. I, I want to address 
those who are listening who are believers and have received Christ. Everything I talk about today are blessings that you experience as believers. But I realize that some of you are watching and you have not yet given your life to Christ. You haven't put your faith in him. And I wanna say to you, I thank God that you're tuning in. I thank God that you're listening right now. And I wanna say to you, hold on to every word that is being preached. I pray that each word speaks to you. I pray that it whets your appetite to wanna know Jesus and to have him for yourself. And I wanna say, hold on, because at the end of this message, I wanna present an opportunity for you to have everything that's being shared today. All right, well, let's pray. And let's ask the Lord to speak to us through his word. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you and your word. And we humbly bow our hearts. And we acknowledge that you are God, we are not. You are wise and we're still growing. You know all things and we're so limited. God, I pray that through your word you would help us to see the things that you have blessed us with that are just worthy of our praise and thanksgiving. I pray that with all the things around us that can totally get us down and depress us and discourage us and divide us, I pray the Lord that we would be in this habit of looking up, counting the blessings that are available to us who are in Christ. And I pray that we would just live thankful lives. God, speak to every single one listening right now. Speak in meaningful clear, relevant ways. Lord, we want to see you. And so, Lord, we give you this time. I pray that whatever I preach, whatever I say today would not be successful or shared or remembered unless it's true. And if it's true, use it for your glory. So, Lord, we give you this time, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what's good? What's good, church? Well, I'll tell you what's good. God's blessing is good. Literally, it's good, right? Because in the Greek New Testament, the word used for blessing is this word eulogeo. And that word is actually two words put together. One word is the word good, that's what it is, and the word to speak. And so the understanding of the word blessing is to speak well of another person or to speak good things over another person. And what the Bible teaches us is that if you are in Christ, God has spoken good things over you. He has declared every spiritual blessing over you. And the thing is, if God is God and he is almighty, we know that whatever he speaks over you, we can trust is real, it is true, and it will all come to pass just as he says. He is God. And so today, I want us to focus on Ephesians chapter 1. If you have your Bibles or your phones or your gadgets, turn to Ephesians 1. And we're going to focus on verse 3 through 7. And in this passage, he gives us a length of the spiritual blessings that we have, the things he has spoken over us, the the good things he has poured upon us. But I want to highlight just a few things, just three things today that are worthy of our thanksgiving. So if you read with me, let's start off with verses three and four. And it goes like this. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. For even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, we should be holy and blameless before him. If you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this down in your notes. Here's the first thing we are blessed with. We are blessed to be chosen. We are blessed to be chosen. Now, we are chosen. That's a biblical teaching. But no one can boast that we chose God. No one can boast that we chose God, nor can you boast that God chose you because you were such a good person. We, we know we didn't act so good that he should choose us. Why? Because it says you were chosen before the foundations of the world, which comes before you were even born, which means you didn't even have a chance to try to be good. He chose you before the foundations of the world. Before you could be good, he chose you. And you should be thankful that he chose you before you were born. I know I am. Because I love how Charles Spurgeon puts it. He puts it like this. He says, I'm glad God chose me before I was born because I'm not so sure he would have chosen me afterward. Amen to that. If he saw how I would turn out and how I lived, I'm not sure he would choose me for I fall short of his glory, of his standards. So he chose us. Be thankful for that. Praise God for that. But the question is, what did he choose us for what did he choose us for what does it mean to be chosen well if you look carefully in verse 4 that we just read it says he chose us that we would be holy and blameless just like his son Jesus Christ he chose us to reflect Christ so stay humble because God did not choose you because you're so holy but he chose you so that you would become holy which implies You ain't holy. Like, you are not that holy, but he chose you for that end. So let me share with you a little secret. It's not much of a secret in my household. Monica will tell you all about it. But in our household, I'm the one who really likes decorating. I'm kind of into decor, and I like to kind of fix up our house. And a while ago, I was into this thing called Mod Podging. It's like a craft. It's a Mod Podging. And what I would do is I would go looking for pieces of scrap wood. And I remember going around the back of the church here looking for old pieces of wood. And I found these pieces of scrap wood. And what I would do is I would take photos and I would transfer our images onto these photos so that we can display in our house. Now, when I go looking for these pieces of scrap wood, I didn't find pieces of wood because they were already beautifully displaying our images on them. I just looked for pieces of wood that I knew that I could clean up and cut and shape and sand down so that then I could put our image on it and then put it on display. I share that with you because in the same way, God doesn't look at you and see Christ so beautifully displayed in us that you're so holy and blameless, but he picks you, he chose you so that you would be the canvas on which his son Jesus Christ would be reflected and displayed. So here's the thing, what did he choose us for? 
He chose us to be holy and blameless. And if God blesses us in this way, if he has chosen you, he has spoken this over you, then guess what? You will be holy and blameless. He is God, and if he chose you for this purpose, he will bring that purpose to its completion. Meaning his work in you to be pure and blameless will one day be complete. That's the promise. That's the hope that we have. Romans chapter 8 verse 30 says this. It says, those whom he predestined, it's another word for chose, those who he chose, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Circle the word predestined, chose, and also circle the word glorified. Meaning that if you have been chosen, you will ultimately be glorified. You will be glorified when you are standing in the presence of Jesus, completely holy and completely blameless. And you'll notice that glorified right there is past tense. Because in God's view, it's already done. It's happened. From his perspective, he sees today, yesterday, and tomorrow. And he says, you will be glorified. But from our perspective, we know that from now until then... God is going to do his work on us to make us holy and blameless. He is putting us through the process. We are a work in progress. I mentioned in a message not too long ago that my wife and I, we, uh, we kind of got into cage dramas. And I was surprised how many of you guys responded after that message and you knew exactly what I was talking about. In fact, somebody recommended a K-drama for us to watch next called Vagabond. And Vagabond is a 16-episode series, right? There's 16 episodes in the season. And we were shocked when we started watching it because it's not your typical romantic comedy that we thought it would be. But it's actually this action-packed thriller, kind of like 24, right? But it's this action-packed thriller where this guy, his name, we're going to call him Cha, his nephew is on a plane that ends up going down because of a terrorist. And so here in episode one, Cha, the good guy, is looking for this terrorist, and he finds him in this alley in Morocco, of all places. And all of a sudden, this crazy, high, intense fight breaks out in this alley, and, and to be truthful, Cha's getting beat up by this terrorist, and this terrorist is taking him down. He pulls out a gun on Cha, but luckily Cha kicks the gun away from him, but the terrorist takes this big pot, cracks it on his head, and he gets like knocked out cold, and we're thinking, dude, you're gonna die. And then all of a sudden, the terrorist gets away, and somehow the, the, the good guy Cha starts chasing after him. Cha ends up on a building, a two or three story building, he sees the bad guy getting away on a truck, and so he jumps off of the building and lands through the windshield of the terrorist. I'm like, dude, you're going to die. And all of a sudden, the terrorist floors the truck, and here he is, the good guy Chas, hanging on to the hood of this car as he's driving through the streets of Morocco, running into buildings, running into cars. And all of a sudden, Cha gets flipped to the backside of the truck. He's hanging on the bumper, and he's getting dragged at 80 miles per hour through the streets. And I'm thinking, dude, you're going to die. And, and then all of a sudden they hit the highway and he's being dragged on the highway. He pulls himself up onto the truck. He breaks the window, jumps into the cab in the truck. And all of a sudden there's a fist fight breaking out in the truck. And I'm thinking, you're going to die. 
and they're weaving in and out of traffic, going against oncoming traffic. They're almost killed like five times. And then all of a sudden, the terrorist takes out the sharp object and stabs Cha as he's in the cabin. I'm thinking, you're going to die. And then they take this turn. He hits a guardrail. Cha goes flying out of the window and falls over the cliff. And I'm like, dude, you're dead. And then I stopped and realized, he ain't dead. How do I know? Because this is only episode one. There are 16 episodes in the series. How else do I know he doesn't die? Because season two is coming out. He's gonna be fine. He's gonna be fine. I know the end of the story. He lives. He lives. And that changes everything as I'm watching this, because when I know the end of the story and that child lives, then that changes how I understand episode two and episode three and episode four and five and six, that whenever a, 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 a thing turns for the worse or he gets captured by the bad guys or he's about to die again, I know that all of this is just developing his character. And all of this is just part of the story. But in the end, he lives. Why do I share that with you? Because, brothers and sisters, I really believe that we know the end of your story. You live. Because one day you will stand glorified in the presence of Jesus, your king, more alive than you've ever been. And you will stand holy and blameless because you've been chosen for that end. And if we know the end of the story, that means everything in between, every season and every circumstance, every episode in your life is only going to develop your character. It's part of the story God has written in your life so that one day you will perfectly display and reflect the holiness and blamelessness of his son, Jesus Christ, in your life. And so we know that whatever happens to you, all things work for the good of this purpose. All things the Bible says, and that includes all the good things and all the bad things, all the left turns and all the U-turns, all the awesome things and all the awful things, all the terrible things and all the terrific things, everything. That heart-shattering breakup, that untimely layoff, that crazy car accident that you endured, if you have been chosen to be holy and blameless, then be thankful because you will become holy and blameless. So I wanna encourage you right now, do not let your mistakes and your misfortunes dim your perspective. Don't let how much money you made or how much money you lost define your worth. Don't let your struggles with sin and your slip-ups with temptation dampen your joy. But in all things, give thanks. Because you're blessed. You're blessed to have been chosen. He has chosen you from the scrap wood to be the canvas on which his son will be displayed. You are blessed to be chosen. That's what verse 4 tells us. We're blessed to be chosen. But we go on. So let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1. Let's go to 5 and 6. It says this. 
In love, he predestined us for adoption. Circle that word adoption. He predestined us, chose us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. So write this down in your notes. We are blessed to be adopted. We are blessed to be adopted. So let me ask you a question. What would you say is the greatest blessing that man can receive from God? What is the greatest blessing that that any person can experience from God? And I would guess that many of you are thinking in your heads right now, well, probably the greatest thing is salvation, to be saved. And I want to challenge that because I suggest that there's something even greater than salvation. Let me try to explain it to you. When I was on sabbatical last year, Monica and I, we went to the Philippines to visit Jocelyn Velasquez and her son, Matthew. Uh, They used to be part of our life group here at South Bay Community Church, but they had to move back to Bahal in the Philippines. So when we were visiting Jocelyn, uh, Jocelyn and some of her church members took Monica and I around to different ministries there in their community. And one of the places they took us to visit was an orphanage. Now, we got to this orphanage. I remember it was a group of us from the church standing there. And the children, the orphans in the home, came out to greet us and welcome us. And they began to sing to us songs to welcome us. And as they sang and I looked at each child, something inside of me broke. Something inside of me broke because I realized that these precious children right before my eyes, each one had been abandoned. Each one is without a father or a mother to love them and to raise them. And something broke to the point where I had to remove myself. And I moved myself to the back of the crowd because I could not stand anybody to see me cry as hard as I was crying. Now, you guys have seen me cry. You've seen me tear up in some messages. But you have not seen me cry as hard as I was crying that day. Now, imagine... Now imagine that I was the one who was out on the streets and I saw one of these children who had been abandoned. And it it was me who picked up this child and brought this child to the orphanage, to the shelter, where I knew that this child would receive food to eat and drink to take in. And he would be bathed and he would be clothed. And he would be taken care of in this home. And in fact, I I not only brought the kid to the the orphanage, but I brought all this money to, to give to the shelter to continue to take care of him. Now, if I did that, I I guess you could say that I saved this kid. That I rescued him from dying in the streets and I and I brought him to a place where he can be restored. I saved him. And that's what salvation is. Salvation means to rescue, to deliver, to save. And that is a very, very good thing. But there's an even greater thing. See, because what if instead of bringing this kid to a shelter, I brought this kid into my home? And I bring him into my home and I say to this kid, I'm not going to treat you like my child. You are my child. 
I'm not going to be like a father to you. I am going to be your father. And my wife, Monica, will be your mother. My son, Evan, he is now your brother. And Aranea and Karis are now your sisters. And this food on the table is your food too. And we will dine together at this table. And this room in my house is your room in your house. From now on, we are family, forever family. That is what adoption is. And as good as salvation is, adoption, I believe, is even greater because it entails, it it captures salvation, but it also implies relationship. J.I. Packer, great theologian, he articulates it so well. Here's what J.I. Packer says. He says, adoption is the highest privilege that the gospel offers, arguably higher than salvation. Adoption is higher because of the relationship it involves with God. Salvation is wonderful, but it does not imply necessarily an intimate relationship. But in adoption, God doesn't just save us, but takes us into his family as children and heirs. Friends, if you are in Christ, understand this. God did not just save you from sin and rescue you from hell. He did that. But he also brought you into his home, brought you into his family, and he has given you official status as sons and daughters of the heavenly father. John chapter one, verse 12 tells us this. It says, yet to all who did receive him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You've been adopted. And I don't know what adoption is in your mind or how you view adoption, but understand this, that being adopted children of God, we are not treated as if we were second-class children of God because we're adopted your first class, children of God. I want to illustrate to you what I mean by first class. My children are my own, and I, I love them. I love my children as my own. But I can also say to you that I love my sister's children, right? That's my niece, and that's my nephew. And I could tell you I love my brother-in-law's children. Those are my nephews as well. They're family, so I, I love them as well. But I don't know if I can say that I love their children as much as my own. Like I know without a a second thought, I would would give my life for my children. If I saw a truck coming in the street and my child playing in the street, I would jump in front of that truck. If I knew that my child could not see and needed a set of eyes, I would give them my eyes, literally. If I knew that my child needed a new heart to live, I would give my heart in a heartbeat. Because I love my children as my own. I would give them my life. They get first class priority from me. But I don't know if I can make such an easy automatic decision for my sister's kids. And don't get me wrong, I love them, they're my family. They're my nephew and my, my niece. I love them. But not like my own. It's a different kind of love. It's just not the same. Now I want to ask you, do you know how much God loves his own? 
his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Do you know how much? Do you guys remember in the Bible when Jesus was being baptized and they were surrounded by a crowd of people as he's getting baptized, the heavens opened up and a voice from heaven came down saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. It's like God wanted everybody in attendance to know this is my son and I love him. When Jesus was on the mount being transfigured before Peter, James, and John, once again the heavens open and a voice comes down and says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. He wanted everyone to know how much he loved his own. Do you know how much the father loves his own, his only begotten son, compared to how much he loves you, his adopted sons and daughters? The same. He loves you the same, with the same intensity of love that he has for his only begotten son, he loves you. John chapter 17, verse 23, Jesus is praying, and he's praying for you, the the disciples, and it says, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know, Father, that you sent me and loved them just as you loved me. That's powerful. And I pray that you would be thankful over that, that as his adopted sons and daughters, you are not like family to the father. You are family. You are his family. He loves you as much as he does his one and only son, Jesus. It is a deep, it is just as eternal, it is just as intense, it is just as perfect, it is just as first class as he has for his son. Church, you are blessed to be adopted by the heavenly father. So you are blessed to be chosen. You are blessed to be adopted. Let me share with you one more blessing from Ephesians 1. Write this down. You are blessed to be redeemed. You are blessed to be redeemed. And we finish off with verse seven. Verse seven says this. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Now circle that word redemption. And to be redeemed or redemption in this passage is defined as being set free by the payment of a ransom. Being set free by the payment of a ransom. It is in reference to the slave market in ancient Greece where slaves would be put on the market and if somebody wanted to set that slave free, they would pay a price called a ransom. That slave would be released. And we know that in the Bible, for example, John 8, 34 calls anybody who practices sin a slave to sin. Now, how many of us have ever practiced sin? Now, here's, here's another interesting thing about this word redeemed. Here's another interesting insight. The word redeemed literally, by definition, means to buy back. So there's this added nuance where you're repurchasing that which you had previously forfeited. You're buying it back for yourself. 
Let me try to illustrate this. I, I feel like uh, God gave me great insight into what this means. At my previous church, I used to lead worship. And I remember my friend Mike played the bass guitar for our worship team. And I'll never forget that summer where every day we would go to his garage and we would have jam sessions and we would sing all these worship songs for hours every day. Lord, I lift your name on high and shine, Jesus, shine and Hosanna in the highest, all the old school songs that we would sing these and, and we just loved jamming together. And my, my friend Mike, he had this red Squire bass guitar, not expensive at all. It was his first bass guitar, but he loved it. And I remember that day he told me someone broke into his garage and stole his bass guitar. And he was devastated. He was upset. He was frustrated. He was sad. And time went on, and he ended up just buying another guitar. In fact, he bought many guitars after that. Years went by. And then one day, my friend Mike, he, he likes to frequent these pawn shops. And he was in this pawn shop right there in Old Torrance. And Mike tells me this. He's in the pawn shop, and he's looking around to see what they got. And he looks up on the wall, and guess what he sees? He sees his red Squire bass guitar. He sees his guitar hanging on the wall years later. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever had anything stolen from you. But sometimes getting it back, it's kind of like an icky feeling, right? Like I, I've had a car stolen from me, and it was recovered in Long Beach, when I found out the guy who stole it had been living in the car and using it for his own stuff, there was something about it that just, I didn't want it anymore. It felt violated. It felt unclean to me. And so it wasn't hard for me to forfeit the car. I, I don't want it. You take it. And I surrendered it over to the junkyard. Now, here's my friend Mike, and he sees his guitar, knowing that it's been played by different hands, by maybe various people over years. Guess what my friend Mike does? He takes out his wallet and he pays full price for his own guitar. And I said, Mike, why did you do that? It's yours. Why are, you, why are you paying full price for your guitar? Why don't you call the cops and have them like do all the investigation and get your guitar back? And, and I'll never forget what Mike said to me. I'll never forget this. I said, why, why did you buy your guitar back? And he looked me in the eyes. He said, because I love this thing. I love this thing. And it's worth everything. I'll pay full price. It's worth it. He bought back that which was already his. And I want to say to you, friends, God has created you for him. He was, he's created you with his hands. He's fashioned you with his own hands. You are precious to God. We were originally his but we were captured and enslaved by the sin of this world. And yet God was not done with you yet. He repurchased you. He bought you back. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 or verse 20 says that we were purchased with a price. You were bought with a price. What was that price? The blood of Jesus Christ. You were bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Christ is your ransom. His life was the price he paid to redeem us. But why? God, why? Why, why, why would you buy them back? 
They're rebellious, God. They're sinful, God. He's divorced. She's been violated. He's unfaithful. She's an addict. He's a failure. Why would you buy them back? And I believe God would say to that question, because I love them that much. I love him that much. I love her that much. And they're worth it to me. And so I'll pay full price. The price of my one and only son. Friends, if you are in Christ, you are blessed because you have been redeemed, bought back by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. What a blessing. You have been chosen, you have been adopted, and you've been redeemed. And you know how the Bible tells us that we should give thanks in all circumstances? And how many of you have ever heard that? Give thanks in all circumstances. And you're like, dude, how can I give thanks in every circumstances? Because I'm in a pretty cruddy one right now. And I'll, I'll tell you how we can give thanks in all circumstances. Because no matter what circumstance happens to us here on this earth, these spiritual blessings will always remain true and always be constant. You have been chosen, you are adopted, you have been redeemed. That doesn't change. Nothing changes that. So no matter what I go through, whatever episode I'm caught in right now, I can give thanks because I've been blessed. And so when you feel rejected by that company or rejected by those friends or rejected by that school you've been trying to get into, and that can discourage you, I would encourage you, look up, be thankful, and remember, oh yeah, I'm chosen. Even when rejected by all else, I'm blessed. And when you feel unwanted, and when you feel unpopular at school, and you feel unliked on social media, when you feel like you just don't belong anywhere to any club or any group, look up and be thankful and remember, oh yeah, I've been adopted. I'm a child of the king. And he loves me with the first class love. I am blessed. And when you struggle with sin and you don't know how God views you because of your failed marriage and you wonder if he still loves you because of that thing you did in the past, look up and be thankful and remember, oh yeah, I've been redeemed. I've been bought and purchased by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. I am set free, and I am blessed. And I pray that we would be in the habit of always remembering and always giving thanks that we've been chosen, adopted, and redeemed. I want to close by sharing with you the story of a rich man who loved his son and shared life with his son and also shared this love of art, fine art. And he and his son would look all over the world to get whatever they can for their collection. Well, a vast collection of paintings and sculptures, some Picassos, Van Goghs, Monets. They just had a vast, expensive collection of art. Well, one day the son gets drafted into war, goes off to fight in the military, and ends up being killed in battle. And this crushed the father's heart. And then one day, 
the friends of his son show up at his door with a special gift for the father. And when he unwraps the gift and he tears off the paper, it is a portrait, a painting of his son in military uniform. And suddenly this became that man's favorite possession. It was his favorite painting because this was his son and he loved him so dearly. Well, eventually when that rich man passed away, he left a will. And the instructions according to his will was that he wanted his entire collection of paintings and sculptures and artwork auctioned off. And so notice went out to everybody, to collectors all over that there was gonna be this big auction and people from far away came and traveled to be here at this auction because there were good things to be found here. And so when the auction began, the auctioneer started off with the first painting, which was the painting of the man's son. He says, anybody want this painting? We're gonna start it with $100 and nobody raised their hand. Nobody knew who the artist was. Nobody knew who the person in the painting was. No one cared about this. They wanted that stuff, the the Picassos and the Monets. Then all of a sudden, this hand goes up. And the person says, I'll take it. And the auctioneer says, going once, no hands go up. Going twice, no hands go up. And he drops the hammer, sold to this gentleman over here, and now the auction is officially closed. And everybody's like, what are you talking about It's closed? We, we, we came here for those paintings, that's what we want. We want the expensive stuff. We traveled far for those things. And the auctioneer said, according to the will of the father, whoever takes his son gets everything. According to the will of the father, whoever receives his son gets everything. And I want to say to you, according to the will of our Father, whoever receives his Son gets everything. Whoever receives the Son receives everything in the heavenly places. We go back to Ephesians 1 verse 3, which said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. If you have received the Son, you have everything. And every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms are yours. And so I pray that you will look up and give thanks in all circumstances because you realize this is yours. You've been chosen, you've been adopted, and you've been redeemed to the praise and glory of Christ Jesus. Would you guys bow your heads with me? And as we have our heads bowed, I said in the beginning, I realized that maybe some of you guys have tuned in and you don't know Jesus personally yet and that you haven't given him your life or you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ the Son. And I wanna give you this assurance. You can know in this moment that you've been chosen that you are adopted into the family of God, his sons and daughters, and you are redeemed from all your sin if you would receive the Son. And the Bible tells us that if you believe by faith, if you can believe it in your heart and you're willing to confess it with your mouth, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that you will be saved. 
It's just a matter of faith. That's how you receive it. You put your faith in it. And if you believe in it by faith, then from this day forward, you're going to try to walk with the Son and get to know Him more and more. I want to give you an opportunity right now. The Bible says if you believe by faith. And so I want to pray with you a prayer of faith. And I'm going to pray it out loud. And if you would just pray along with me as if you were talking straight to the Heavenly Father. Know that He hears you and He sees your heart. And so I would invite you to pray a prayer like this. Father God, I believe that you are my Father. I believe that listening to this is no accident. That perhaps I am chosen. And this moment right now is confirming it. I believe Jesus died for me. And I believe he rose from the grave to redeem me from my sin. I put my trust in that. God, I pray that you would bring me into your family as your son or your daughter. And I pray that you would do your work in me so that I would look more like your son. Help me to walk away from sin, to grow in holiness, until one day I will be glorified, perfectly holy and blameless in your presence. I give you my life. Help me to grow from this day forward. I pray this in your precious name. Amen.